This is the Insurance Buzz, and we are your host, Michael and Courtney Weaver. We coach insurance professionals, business owners, and people just like you every day on how to live a life and have a business you are excited about. Here on the Insurance Buzz, we share the wins, the losses, and everything in between that comes with being married business partners, training in the insurance space, and growing our business side by side. We also connect with other business owners and leaders making their mark in the world and hopefully inspire you to make yours. In today's episode, Courtney and I sit down with Jeremy Olson and Kristen Isaacson, the founders of Roleplay at the Olson Agency. We talk about the importance of growth mindset, developing a winning culture, communication, the difference between inside sales, outside sales teams, and then service team members, um, how much they spend in marketing and, and what that's producing from a production standpoint and a lot more. It's jam-packed. Make sure you're ready to take notes. With that being said, let's start the show. Welcome to the Insurance Buzz. We are your host, Michael and Courtney Weaver, and we have two special guests with us today, Jeremy Olson and Kristen Isaacson. How are you all today? We're great. We are great. Yeah, thanks for having us. We are pumped to have you all. We are. Uh, we're very, very excited. We rarely get a pair. This is like <laughs> I, I don't even know. And we have like matching coffee mugs. We have matching spin drifts. We're wearing coordinating outfits. It's like we are like, like Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. We did. We did, but we didn't. It's a weird thing. So <sighs> I, I am so excited to jump into this. I'm gonna. I'm gonna start with the the heavy question about the fifty six million dollar book of business that you guys have and your insurance agency. Now, I know that didn't happen overnight, but I want to talk about really where you're at right now and your management style and how you lead that team. So walk me through what that looks like internally to have a $56 million book of business from a team standpoint. What does your team look like right now? Yeah, no, there's a lot of training, a lot of coaching, a lot of babysitting that goes on with it. Uh, we've got a team of, what do we have, 45 at this point? Mm -hmm. And, you know, this is something that we've built. Uh, Kristen's been on the team for now eight, nine years. I started out scratch 26 years. Actually, my anniversary is this week, 26 years. Oh, uh, holy smokes, and, congrats. Oh, thank you. But, it, you know, it's just been something that I, every year I just lead with, got to grow, got to grow, got to grow. And so it's just a culmination of 26 years of getting a little bit bigger each year. Kristen could probably really address the management style that we have on our team because that is her role as the team coach, general manager. Yeah, so, well, we've grown it to a team of 45. So right now the structure of our team is, um, well, Jeremy is the big kahuna. Did I just go like this? I mean, the beautiful <laughs> kahuna. Because um, <laughs> that kind of seemed kind of weird. The body language there was not congruent. But anyways, uh, and then I'm the general manager and the team coach. And so we kind of like lead the charge. We have two managers that manage our, um, we have an inside team that takes inbound calls and does cross-selling. And then we have an outside team that does outbound, like just managing lead management and things like that. Um, and then we have an operations manager that basically is the glue that glues everything together, all the underpinnings of the business. We can rely on him for all those details. Um, as far as the team, like, and how we've gotten here, I think that when I started with Jeremy, I think his book was probably about 18 million and he had six offices. So. He had a lot of locations and was very well known because he was a bigger agent at the time and um, because of his multiple locations. And he said, you know, I really feel like my team is operating in silos, that they're, each location mm. kind of has their mm. own personality. And I want everybody to be one team. So that was one of his dreams. And then the other thing is he wanted he wanted people to see his agency as the Nordstrom of insurance. So just like top class A players um, and being, you know, like he had this kind of number one image in his mind and, uh, kind of weird. We are number one in the country. So, I mean, that, that actually, that vision did kind of play out. But I think the one team aspect of, you know, having all of these people in different locations, we have 17 remote team workers. We have how many offices now? Five? Five. Five offices, one all the way across the straight, uh, the state. Um, having virtual communication and the way that we communicate, I think that's the biggest thing of keeping this team together and keeping the engine running. And then 
creating lots of different systems and processes to hold people accountable and to let them know how they can, you know, what is expected of them, but also having the resources that they need to be successful. Yeah, I love that you bring that up because it it really is what's the expectation? How do you win? And do you have the tools to win? Mm -hmm. And if not, let's put those tools in place. And I'd like to dive in because in talking with you all, I I thought it was fascinating. So with a $56 million book, 45 team members, you have six just service people and all the rest are either on your inside sales or outside sales team. So I would like to know... What is your, so when you consider someone inside sales, what does that role look like compared to the outside sales? Yeah, no, and I, I would say that really is our thing uh, that, that we bring to people when, when we're teaching them. Whenever I'm talking to an agency owner, that's like the number one thing. Separate your sales team. It will do amazing things. This is something that we came up with probably about five years ago when we were meeting with our own business coach. So for so many years, we've heard that term specialization thrown out there, right? Go specialize your agency, have service people, have salespeople. Don't let the salespeople take your phone calls because that's just a waste of time. Let your service people do that. And we are completely opposite of that. Our six service people, they really don't talk to customers on a daily basis. They're doing that behind the scenes type stuff, which is very different. Uh, you know, but in my opinion, somebody that's in service, they've kind of said, hey, I don't want to be in sales. So why we would ever want them to be on the front lines as the one picking up the phone calls has never made a lot of sense to me. So our inside team, we we have about 50% on the inside team, 50% on the outside team. The insider is a person, their day-to-day job is to pick up phone calls. So they take, our magic number is 15 phone calls a day. We don't like them to take any more than that. Uh, They're taking payments. I need to add a car. Why did my rates go up? I'm having a tough time with my claim. I need to file a claim. Just any and all service calls they're taking, they're on the front lines. Their job is to transition those into reviews. We have a very specific process that we follow, but we, uh, we literally never just do a transaction and move on, even if it's just a payment that they call every month for. They try to extend every call to at least 20 minutes or so and do full reviews. Our stats say that uh, for every 100 calls that come into my agency, we sell 21 of them a new line of insurance. So you think about that, if you're a typical insurance agency taking 20 or 30 calls a day, you literally have 75 or 100 sales right there that is totally free for you if you think of those calls like that as not just a transaction or an order as a way to actually pivot into selling them an additional line. Mm-hmm. Our outside team, I'll let you share what they do. Yeah, so our outside team, and this this was the thing is we were kind of a little bit worried about getting into leads because Jeremy always liked the quality of business that we had just servicing the inside or the inbound calls and our customers. And he built his business off of relationships, strategic partnerships. But then as he grew and he wasn't as much in the business, there, that's a, that's a certain skill set that everybody doesn't have. So some of that relationship building and, you know, like bringing that kind of business in was, was not as, I don't think that a lot of the team members were as adept at it as Jeremy was. And he was leading the business in a different way. So we started this outbound sales and it's leads. And so we started buying leads and um, we had to create a whole process just for that kind of interaction, which is, is different than the inbound. Um, part of the process explaining the coverage is the same. Um, what we wanted was quality. We wanted to have quality conversations and we knew that not every lead was going to be a quality prospect. And so we created a process that could um, basically qualify the prospect to um, be the right customer for us. And it has it has worked, but our team on the outbound team, they're taking anywhere from, it, it depends, they're making anywhere from eight, 80 to 300 calls a day, just depending on the day, because leads are different. Some days your contact rate is going to be low. Um, if we notice that they're doing too much of that, we have, we kind of teeter totter between having live leads coming in and we're having leads that they can call out on. So we switch days for them. 
but that team is your quintessential salespeople, basically. They are literally just quoting all day long and trying to qualify people to see if they're the right fit for Allstate. Yeah, so that team has literally no clue how to service a policy. So if they get a customer that calls, hey, Jeff, I bought a policy from you last year. Can I add a new car? They wouldn't know how to do that. We wanted to put them in the seat to do what they like to do, and that's mm -hmm. sell new policies. So that is the extent of their day. They just sell. If they get a service request, they move that over to the inside team. Uh, for us, we found the magic number to make somebody successful uh, is we need to buy them between 12 and 15 brand new leads per day. That's what's going to lead to them being able to write. I'd say our sweet spot, what we like our producers to write is 50, 60 or 70 new policies a month. We're, we're not big on that. You know, go write 100, 150 items a month. We believe to have quality conversations, uh, that would be tough to do if you're putting up that volume. So we love everybody on our team to hit 50, 60 or 70. We feel that can lead to great work-life balance, but also having the right conversations with customers. Like Kristen said, when we entered the lead game, that was back in 2019, when I was dealt you know, a, a pretty difficult goal uh, at the beginning of that year where we were gonna have to really improve our numbers. And so we decided to get into the lead game. I wanted really nothing to do with it. I had heard all the horror stories. They don't retain, they shop you every six months, they only buy low coverage. And uh, when I agreed to get into this, I was like, we are going to do it different. We are not going to be typical lead agents and just write low coverage and just slam anything we can through the system. So, to, you know, here we are four or five years later into the four years later, we now we went from spending zero on leads. I think my monthly spend now is close to $100,000. So we've learned a lot of dumb things to do with leads and a lot of good things. And uh, mm -hmm. I would say the thing that we're most proud of is we've really found a way to take that lead person that did start out for sure. They, you know, they went online, they're like, I need a better rate. We figured out how to turn that person into more of a, you know, typical insurance customer that sees value in, in having good coverage that retains our retention is 91.5% despite putting on 500 policies a month just from the lead team. You know, and it, everybody in management thought your, your retention is just going to plummet. It just hasn't because so many of the things that we do in having full conversations with them and onboarding these customers and, and just not buying into that typical. If you're going to be a lead agent, you're going to see bad retention and high loss ratio just has not happened for us. Yeah, we like to say we take shoppers and make them not shoppers. Yeah. No, 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 no. This is, so, so we just cut, we just covered a ton. I mean, so you're spending a hundred thousand dollars a month in marketing for roughly 20 sales producers. Um, is that right? Cause your outside sales team is roughly about 20 people. Mm -hmm. Uh, outside, I, I think we're closer to, I think we have 17 on the outside team. Okay. Okay. Um, so in the conversion, it sounds like it's so how many leads so, and you, you're talking about quality, which I absolutely love. That's what we preach and teach as well as quality conversation. So how many my question would be, and I'm sure somebody I would hope somebody's thinking of this right now. So 80 to 300 calls a day. What does your turnover look like on your sales team if they're making 80 to 300 calls a day every day? Uh, non-existent. We just don't. And that was another myth that we were like, you know, we had heard this that you have an outside lead team, you just burn through them, that's what this is. We have people that are on our outside team that have been with us from literally day one. Mm -hmm. uh, and the, we do a, a couple of things for that. First of all, we really keep a good pulse on where our team is. We, uh, we use something called Office Vibe, which it has been a, a great piece of software. It's something that sends our whole team a random survey every two weeks. Uh, and they can answer questions anonymously about how they feel about working in the agency. So we know very quickly, you know, based on our numbers, just how our team is from a mental health standpoint. Uh, we, um, we do a ton of interaction with our team. We have meetings every single day on Zoom for at least 30 minutes and just talk to them. We do a lot of one-on-ones. Mm -hmm. we, we spend a lot of time working on the mental side of the business. Our, our remote team, uh, we fly out all the time. We have an office 300 miles away that has 
12 people on the outside team. We travel there all the time, again, just for that mental. We could certainly do everything through Zoom, but we just believe it's super important to just be there with your team and you know treat them as people. Uh, another thing that we do, and not every team could do this, uh, you know, depending on your size, but we have our outside team broken up into two different teams. So team A, team B. On Monday, team A takes traditional internet leads, so the ones that we get They're calling e- out on. that yeah. we're calling out on, uh, and team B takes live transfers. The next day, they flip flop. So they so, get kind of relief from that, you know, if they mm-hmm. did make 300 dials that last day, which, you know, we don't like to see, but that does happen. Then the next yeah. day they can take the inbound transfers and they get a little relief from having to dial out like that. Yeah, we don't want them leaving on a Monday night saying, gosh, nobody picked up today. I have to come back and do this again tomorrow. Instead, we want them saying, thank goodness I'm off leads to tomorrow. I've got live transfers and the other way around. I wouldn't say anybody on our team really prefers one or, one or the other. They they like them both. They're just different things, different way to get business. And the other thing that I think keeps them here is the culture. I mean, I, their job is hard and we recognize that, but Jeremy is very generous in the way that he pays. So he he people can make a really good living here. We want A players and we want to pay them like A players so that we can expect, you know, what we're asking of them. Um, so that's one thing, but you know, he's very competitive with the way that he has his comp- compensation plan, but also, you know, he has a medical package that it's, you know, he has medical, vision, dental, which a lot of agencies, like smaller agencies, don't offer. We do three weeks of vacation. After five years, they get four weeks. We do a lot of incentive based things. We do a lot of fun things for the team. So that I think it's that team engagement and the camaraderie. If you ask one of our team members how they would describe our agency, it wouldn't be like fast paced grind. It would be family. You know, I know I can rely on my team members if I have a bad day, you know, like my managers understand me. So, you know, they say that people don't leave their job, they leave their managers. So we make sure that, you know, we as leaders in the company and our managers are really doing right by the team members. And that, you know, that we hold them accountable because I think people really like to be led. And so, you know, we have a very specific way of leading them that I think, you know, makes them feel like they're cared for and is a big reason why they stay. Yeah. And a- another thing is just staying on the leads with uh, we all, anybody who's been in leads can tell you they go up, they go down, they go and magically you can make a call to the vendor and all of a sudden they hit that magic button and wow, they got better. And so as, <laughs> as an owner, I've got to stay on that. Mm-hmm. And so I have conversations with my outside team every single day. What are the leads looking like? Is the contact rate good? What's going on here? And just get it, always have a pulse on that. And if, if I hear anything like nobody's answering or none of the leads qualify, they, they don't have prior, just different things. I am, am all over that. Like that minute I call every lead vendor, I go through the data and try to figure it out. They really appreciate that, first of all, just knowing that we have their back and that we're thinking about them. Mm-hmm. But then it really does make a difference uh, just staying on top of the lead vendors in, in terms of the quality. Mm-hmm. So I do want to come back. I, I want to come back to the vendor conversation and the data that you're tracking to make sure that you're increasing the quality of your leads. But I want to backtrack just a little bit because you said something in there about culture. You're talking about a, a non-existent turnover with salespeople, which is incredible and Honestly, I'm listening going, how? Because it's a really easy profession to get burnt out. But you brought up vacation, um, health benefits, mm-hmm. pay. When did that start? Because if I'm listening and I have a team of like four people, I'm going, yeah, that's great, but I can barely pay my bills. So when did you see that kind of transformation happen in your organization? I, I would say I've always had that philosophy uh, ever ever since the beginning. And you know, when somebody says that to me, I... I totally get that. But at the same time, what is the cost of hiring a new employee and losing an employee because you didn't do those things? It's a lot more than than the other way. So I personally have always overpaid and always, you know, just really worked on that culture because I don't want to have the expense of having to replace people, especially the way that we're paid in the industry nowadays, which is more heavy towards new business versus renewals. Uh, it mm-hmm. really hurts you if you lose a top performer. So don't lose them, treat them amazing, and they'll stay with you. <laughs> and, that, and that's not to say that we don't lose people. We lose people because 
you know, they're not working out because they're not performing. So we do hire people that don't work out. We don't have a lot of people that are opting out. I mean, I can't remember the last time somebody came to us and said, I don't want this job anymore. But as far as like, you know, I mean, I literally would say we don't even remember the last person that quit. Don't remember. Yeah. I'm so excited to announce that the early bird cart is officially open for our 30 life in five days challenge. Why you should take advantage of this. Number one, it's a discounted rate. Number two, you will receive a bonus call, a bonus training with me after the challenge. So make sure you go visit our website, www.weaversa.com forward slash. So who, what's the benchmark for performance for you guys that you're like, ah, oh, they're not going to cut it. Like I can see yeah. it happening. What's the expectation? And this for is you? something I would uh, probably give credit to Kristen, even though I don't love to. Um, <laughs> when, uh, I, I just said you were the big. Um, I know she did that. She did that hand motion. She adjusted it. But no, you know, when, when Kristen came on board, uh, you know, I met her about 10 years ago when she was teaching Dale Carnegie and just fell in love with that people side of the business, how to talk to people and uh, role play and all that stuff. And um, so that that's when I offered Kristen the job as team coach. When she came in, she was like, what's your accountability and, and team structure? And I was like, I don't know. I just go around and tell people to sell more insurance. Isn't that good? And he would say, can I just like add to this? He would go, you know, I'm not a real big structure guy. Like I even remember asking for like he offered me a job and I'm like, can and I was married at the time and my ex-husband was very like anal about money and he was like, you need to get that in an offer letter. So I wrote him back and I just said, is there any way that you can send me an email and offer letter? And he goes, you know, I'm not, I mean, usually it's just everybody <laughs> takes my word. I'm not a big structure guy. <laughs> but then he like worked something up because, but it was, that was not his way. That was the way that he kind of ran and is, okay, I always tell him, don't take a time management class from Jeremy. He's like an anomaly. Like he doesn't do things the normal way that people do. Everything's in the moment for him and he processes really super fast. It's just very odd the way, but he can do that because he's the boss. But everybody else can't. So don't take a time management class from him. But the structure piece was a big piece that, like, I think that's what took us to the next level. You can only get so far without the structure. And um, we started, you know, building, like, basically a culture, you know, where we wanted everybody to have a why of being here. That was the first thing I think that we did. And then we started, I remember the the. Well, the, it all kind of happened all at once, but I started listening to calls and I was like, oh my gosh, this is the way you want to be represented because everybody was all over the map in the way that they were talking. And I think traditionally, most people that are trained in insurance, they go through corporate training and they get put on the phones and then sink or swim. It's just yep. like, and yep. learn, you know, and basically they learn a lot of things the wrong way. They learn mm -hmm. from other new people. They don't have great resources. They don't utilize, you know, what the company resources are. So we had to, this is why we mapped out a process is because we wanted everybody to be talking the same way in order to represent his name on the door. Cause I kept on thinking, gosh, if uh, there's a customer interaction where, you know, people don't understand or an EO, you know, comes up, that's on Jeremy. It's not on the team members. Yeah. So we started mapping that out and just creating like, um, creating accountability around that. But then we needed to go like even a step further and um and hold people accountable to certain kinds of activity it was just a process of getting to the processes yeah and so to me i look back and i i would say of everything we've implemented in, in the last eight years you know this is it, for us it's really been a journey mm -hmm. going from 18 to 56 million by adding this structure the culture the and I was, you know, always successful. I every, I always made every trip, but it wasn't at this level that we've taken it to. To me, two words I would say that are the biggest reason why my producers now are successful is daily accountability. Um, every agent I talk to, um, when we ask them about accountability, you know, it really is, and I'm guilty of it too, that, you know, I would just go around and say, sell more, do more quotes, talk to more people. Be are, like this guy over here. Yeah. I would mm -hmm. do a lot of comparisons. People yeah. like to know what they need to do right now, mm -hmm. not just 
hey, sell 40 things by the end of the month. That doesn't mean a lot to people versus when you break it down daily. So we have a daily activity pyramid that they have to hit every single day. In fact, it's in our comp plan. If you don't hit that every day, you take a big haircut on your commission and your base. Uh, The pyramid's super simple. So it starts at the top uh, on a daily basis. We like everybody to make at least two sales. Uh, We understand that's not gonna happen every day. Uh, So the next thing that's going to lead to sales is quotes, right? How many quotes you do each day. For us, we expect at least eight quotes on a daily basis. Uh, We also understand you might be busy making sales. The phones might not be busy that day. Some days that won't happen. So then how do you control quotes for tomorrow? That's the next part in the pyramid, uh, which is talk time. We expect at least three hours of talk time. And we, we used to do number of dials. We used to talk about that, but we, we moved over to talk time. It's made a big difference. Mm-hmm. If somebody's, somebody can make 300 dials and have 20 minutes of talk time, they're not going to make any sales. Three hours every single day, they'll be successful. So to get a yes on the pyramid, you, just you, ha- need, one. you need one of those three things. We're confident if you hit one of those three things, again, we'd love it to be sales every day, but that's not always going to happen. But if you hit one of the three every day of the month, it would be very difficult to uh, to not be successful. Yep. And they just report so- it into a little... We have a little uh, team website that they'll just report. So one of our core values is being self-driven. And so that really helps them. Like we can't be micromanagers, but we can help them be self-driven and set the expectations of what that takes. So that's something that's been really powerful, um, helping with that accountability piece and adding it to our comp plan made a huge difference too. All they need is a yes. So it doesn't mean that they have to have sales every single day. They just need a yes in one of those three categories because they can control their activity. So and that, I was gonna go to that. So out of the three, so the two cells, the eight quotes, or the three hours of talk time, which which do they hit most consistently? Talk time. Talk I, I time. mean, it depends on the team. I would say on the inside team, they're hitting talk time, um, both sides. Talk time is the thing that they know they can control. So if they haven't had their quotes, they know they can continue to talk. The talk time is really designed not to talk about like people's dogs and cats and, you know, all of their things that don't have anything to do with insurance. It has to do with like really having full insurance conversations. And that's what, you know, we have a process that takes them from the very beginning of the call to the very end of the call. We want them using that process. And that's really why we put the talk time in there is so that they, we, they knew that that's what we expected. Like, for example, on the inside book, Jeremy doesn't want them taking 30 to 50 calls a day and just doing customer service and transactional, just answering a question, taking a payment, and letting them off the phone. He wants them having a full review. That's how we do our reviews. We don't um, go and call out to the book doing reviews. We do them with our inbound calls while we have them on the phone. And so that's, you know, the process really helps them do that. We've got all the scripting and the, the path forward with that. And so, yeah, um, on the inside team, just to kind of break that down, we, he wants said, 15, I we guess. said again, 15 incoming calls is what we want them to take on a daily basis. So we literally hire based on how many phone calls come into the agency every day. Mm-hmm. If, if I have 45 calls coming into an agency, I would recommend three inside people. So they, they take 15 calls. They probably ask for a review I'd say 12 times out of the 15, there are going to be three that are on the side of the road. They had a claim or maybe they're a frequent caller. They call every other day to make a payment. So we're we're not going to ask those every time. So they ask 12 and I would say eight to nine full reviews is what they do every time. That is their day and they sell three things out of those eight or nine reviews. Mm -hmm. So I was thinking that the inside sales team were setters and the outside sales team were closers, Mm -mm. but that's not it at all because if the inside sales, so they're actually doing the review on the phone, like in the moment they're doing a full So do you guys do reviews in person or are you guys just strictly on the phone reviews? They do them on the phone. They literally take a payment, they take the upset customer, whatever they solve for that. And they have amazing conversations with them. We talk about, you know, everybody talks about rapport. 
we go above and beyond on rapport. We really try to wow them. We have a requirement on the inside team. They have to point out at least one thing positive about their policy, their portfolio, their tenure, something, just to get them in a good mood. Like, hey, Michael, you know, one thing before we even take the payment, I noticed you've been a customer of ours since 2001. Man, thank you so much. So we just get them in a good mood. Then we process the payment or answer whatever service question they have. And then we just simply say, hey, Michael, you know, while I have you on the phone, one of the things we always love to do is just take a quick look, make sure you're taking advantage of all of your discounts and that you have the right coverage. And you're into a review. 80% of people will say yes. A lot of times we get agents that will call us, hey, nobody wants a review. Let's see how you're asking for that review. Mm -hmm. If you say, hey, would you like a review right now? Do you want to go through your... Nope. Yeah. <laughs> so that's why we say, hey, well, I have you on the phone. Just super casual. Mm -hmm. yeah. And we add that discounts. Always just want to make sure you're taking advantage of the discounts and that you have the right coverage. If they say no, which I always tease my team, I promise you I could take 10 calls this afternoon and I would do 10 reviews. If you really wow them up front, they will stay on the phone with you. But there is going to be that occasional one that says, you know, I'm busy. I don't have time. That's when you've got to be really good at your craft and have been looking at their portfolio, their policies, so that you can throw something out there that will want them, will get them to want to stay on the phone. So if, if you said, no, nope, I don't have time, I'm good. Yeah, no problem. Hey, one of the reasons why I asked right off the bat, I noticed if you literally just added the paperless discount, it'd save you $100 a year. And because I've been looking at their screen, at that point, they're going to say, Oh, if he's got more of that, uh, okay, I'll stay on for the review. And so we just push for as many of those, you know, 10 or so asks of reviews, how many of those can we get to say yes? And I, I would say we are 80 to 90% because of the, the positive upfront, the rapport and all that stuff. And then this second piece at the end. And people are interested. I mean, like, especially these days, I mean, they, insurance is a lot of money. I mean, they're interested in knowing what they have. So usually they do say yes. I mean, it's not a... It's not a hard ask. Um, if for some reason they don't have time, it's easy to set an appointment on one like that too. Yeah, to, to me, it's so predictable. You know, again, if, if you're in an agency that takes 50 phone calls, 21% of 50 is 10. You, you have 10 sales right there times 22 days. You, ha you have 200 sales uh, a month that are free for you without having to buy a single lead. If you just look at these service interactions as the opportunity that they are, instead of, let me have my service people answer those calls, even though they've said, I don't like sales. Let yeah. me have them answer the calls and then I'll see if I can find some opportunities and move them over to the salespeople. We cut the service person out. They are amazing at what they do, but they're not salespeople. So I want my salespeople talking from word number one to our customers calling in. Okay. This is great. So I've got, I have two questions. So with, so you said you do about, you do 500 policies a month or is that just your outside sales That's team? That's just the outside team. We are we're closer to a thousand and, and it's Perfect. 500, 500 is what I would say. Okay. Okay. That's great. Um, and then, so my question for you is, is with the current rate environment, um, if you're not meeting with your customers, are you starting to see an uptick in your lapse can? Uh, no, we have not yet. We And we took 30% okay. on homes in March and we took 20% on auto in June and likely have more coming. Uh, we're very sure. intentional <laughs> sure. about, yeah, uh, about it's, it's a hard environment right now. It's, yeah, it's it everyone, it's tough. everyone's taking yeah. it, yeah. We do a, a number of different things. I would say three things are super important to help our retention. Number one, we work the cancellation audit every single day. Um, we have a whole process on that. It's a five-touch process with two emails, three phone calls that they get before they're going to run out. Uh, that has made a huge difference. I bought an agency back in 2020 uh, who had a 95% retention rate. And uh, I asked him, well, what do you do for, for this? He, he shared it with me. Okay, I don't need to reinvent anything. I'm just going to copy that. <laughs> and it's been yeah. incredible. Mm -hmm. To give you an idea, when before I bought his agency, on a daily basis, when I look at my report, we would have about... 300 or so that were, you know, pending cancellation because of late mm -hmm. pay, uh, that number dropped by a hundred, like within two weeks. 
because of the okay. number of touches Huge. that we're having yeah. with these people. So that, that'd be number one. That's great. Uh, yeah. Number two is how we're onboarding customers. Um, first of all, you know, on the outside team, we don't just, we're not transactional and, you know, this is a lead. I'm just going to match what they have. We have full conversations every single time. We also have a, a person, we call her the cleanup artist, uh, is her role. Uh, that she calls everybody that was that came into my book of business from a lead because we know for sure they start out differently. Again, they start out just it's all mm -hmm. about price. We've done a good job with the salesperson of getting them out of that mindset, but we want to take it a step further. So Eileen on my team calls them about 10 days after they bind with us, welcomes them to the agency, you know, takes a second pass at any coverages. You know, hey, one thing I'm sure Jeff totally talked to you about it. But one thing I noticed is that uh, your liability limits maybe aren't as high as you would want them since you do own your home. Did he talk to you about that? Just takes a second pass at it. And then also she just calls it out. She says, you know, hey, Courtney, uh, it looks like you came to us. You went online one morning and we're shopping for a better insurance rate. You know, one thing we find uh, with people that do that, a lot of times they think, hey, I've got to just shop carrier to carrier to carrier every six months and move for the best rate. And we just love to have a conversation about that because that actually is not always gonna be in your best interest. And then she highlights some of the things about the agency and our carrier. So that's the second piece is the onboarding. And the third piece is working your renewals when there are rate increases. That can be argued both ways and I've done both ways. Do you reach out to them and tell them because then you're gonna wake them up and they're gonna call you and cancel anyway or do you just leave well enough alone? I do not think either may have, in my experience, have made a bigger difference than the other. I've done it both ways. The retention has been about the same. So um, I think in the past, I would have just let well enough, you know, be just would have left it alone, not done anything on it. But I think with this significant of a rate increase in this environment, we owe it to our customers to at least reach out to them and offer a review. So. We do something very intentional. Every single Tuesday, I come in and I send an email from my own email box to every customer that renewed with at least a 15% or greater increase. And it, uh, I have a video attached to it that I made that just said, hey, Michael, you know, I just wanted to reach out to you today. It looks like your policy is coming up for renewal. First thing, I just wanted to say thank you so much for having your business with us. You know, your policy is coming up for renewal. That's always an awesome time to reach out to us and just do a quick review. So if you want to make any tweaks, any changes, make sure you don't have too much coverage or too little coverage. Uh, we're here for you. Here's a phone number. Give us a call uh, when it works for you. That's the extent of the video. That has driven a ton of volume into our agency, which gives us that opportunity to get ahead of it versus, you know, hey, Michael, it's Jeremy. I wanted to reach out to you because, man, your rate went up 35%. Let's talk about it. Give me a call. So we opted not to do that. Instead, again, we just lead with that review. And I think the thing is, is that times like times are changing, like or they have changed recently. And we didn't used to do that. But rates have we've not seen rate increases like this ever since I've been here. And Jeremy said ever since he's been here, too. So I think that this, you know, as times change, we have to change the way that we operate in order to stay ahead of it. Yeah. One of, one of the things we were just doing a show on rate increases a couple of weeks ago, and we were talking about uh you know, yes, our rates are going up more than they've ever gone gone up uh, in the history of insurance, probably. But one thing we really have going for us is everything is going up. So uh, unlike any other time in history, yep. so people yep. are used to it. Uh, a lot of times they'll take that explanation and they'll be good with it. Yeah, totally understand inflation. You know, parts are going up, labor's going up. Totally understand. We're good. They just want the answer. But I always tell my team, if this would have happened, if we would have rolled out a 20% auto rate and a 30% home rate five years ago, we would have had people literally lined up at our door ready to scream mm -hmm. at us and find out exactly why to the penny. It's not, yes, we're, we're being hit with, you know, higher call volume. We've gone up about 25% in our call volume ever since we took rates, which we love. My team embraces that. They're like, more For calls sure. equals yeah. more reviews. Uh, yeah. So we, so we like it as a as a way to drive call volume to us, but again, we've got to look back and say this: we're pretty lucky it's happening at this time in history versus five years ago because mm -hmm. it would have been a lot more difficult. 
So I put a pin in a conversation that I'm going to unpin now and bring it back. So talking, we were just talking about cancellations, retention, turning essentially service into sales. But let's go back to marketing. So you were talking about having conversations with vendors, like your lead companies, and you're looking at certain data. What makes a lead, what data are you looking at that makes a lead good Mm. or bad? That you're like, ooh, I need to have a conversation or I need to drop this lead provider. Yeah, um, you know, I'd, I'd say a number, a number of different things. We prefer on our, our leads that it's, you know, just search traffic. So rather than people just going online and saying, hey, I can win a new toaster if I just get an insurance quote, a lot of times they're not going to be your best lead. So we want people that have high intent and truly want a lead. I would rather buy the, you know, higher filtered type business rather than the two or three dollar lead. We like the the more expensive ones that are better filtered. I'd say that would be number one. Um, contact rate. I mean, it, we're mm-hmm. looking at the contact rate all the time. So if I am seeing like, I, I don't mind if I see a team member that's did 250 or 300 calls. But if I see that repetitively, or I see it across the board where a lot of people are making that those that many calls, then that's a contact rate issue. It is interesting that lead companies for some reason, they're not contacting us when they're maybe cha- making some little filter changes or changing things. And the industry with leads is changing too, you know, because there's a lot of states where they've pulled back on growth. And so that's changed the lead industry. And it's lo and behold, we've noticed that it changed the quality of our leads. And so you have to stay on top of it. And you really do have to be talking to them on a regular basis. And we also have help now on the back end where we have somebody analyzing our leads. Um, where we meet with that person once a week just to see what they see, um, because it is such a huge investment for Jeremy. Um, the other thing is, is that the team members have a big part in the leads. I mean, they can sometimes people like I think it's human nature to cherry pick. Sometimes they don't want to try so hard on the front end objections. So, you know, it's it's that, too. When I'm noticing it can't all be the lead company every single time. So we're ensuring the quality of what our team members are doing. We're listening to their calls. We're having conversations with them. We're making sure that we have the right training for them to ramp up quickly. Um, we're quizzing them all the time. We're doing role plays, things like that, that keep them really agile when they are on the phones because everything happens in that first three minutes of the call. They're either going to quote them or they're not going to quote them. Somebody that calls and says, I'm not interested to a very new team member, the new team member might lose that lead where a more senior team member could take that lead, make it and sell it. And so like our process, really, you can close a lead in a first call, but you have to be really good at what you do. Yeah, you you just always got to be on top of your leads, how they're performing. So, you know, specific things that we've done just given this environment, for sure, this is a different environment carriers pulled out of buying leads in the last few months by a lot because they don't want to grow right now. Uh, And so that maybe had an impact on agents buying leads and just the quality that we're seeing at the agency level. Mm -hmm. And so we've got to do some different things nowadays. Uh, We pay a company called Lead Swami that will analyze it every single week. We get on a phone call with them and they they, uh, show us charts, graphs, what zip codes are performing. We pull things out. We also play around with our cadence on calling if I feel that my outside team is just mentally struggling right now. They're not seeing the connect rate that they were in the past. Um, A specific thing that I'll do, I'll uh, pull out, normally we call up to 90 days. Uh, If I see that my team is down, I'll say, let's dial that back to 45 or 30 days and flood the system with new leads. That way, just the the quality in there and the freshness of the leads is going to change overnight. Is that an expense? Absolutely. But again, that's a lot better than losing people because they become burned out on dialing those leads. We have all the stats that say the earlier a lead is, the better they're going to, you know, connect with you. So just to summarize with leads, you have to actually be like they're managing your team. You have to. Because that's your, you know, they've got to actually help you manage your investment. So I want, we want those leads to monetize for Jeremy. Um, But at the same time, like our team members, that's why I said, like, not all team members make it because you have to be really good at sales in order to like make the most out of those opportunities. And then on the back end, the lead companies, you have to stay on top of them all the time. We're constantly talking to our outside team uh, manager we have a guy in our agency that is like in charge of making sure that all the leads are running in the system. He's the system guy, our operations manager. 
Um, and then, you know, Jeremy is the one, like when he calls the lead companies, they don't want to hear from him because he is spending a lot of money. They want him as a client. And so if he gets upset, um, you better watch out. So I think that there's that balance between both, you know, like making sure that your team, because the lead companies will go straight to your team members and they'll say, give me the data that shows me, like, I want to see your data of what your team members are doing with our leads, too. Yeah, so. I always get nervous when I say it's all about the lead vendor, call the lead vendor. It's not. That's an important piece of it. But we also have a saying on my team, a lead is a lead. Um, I firmly believe now doing leads for, you know, four years and buying hundreds of thousands of them that I could, right after this uh, podcast, I could call the lead vendors, fire them all and, and hire five new ones. And tomorrow they have all different lead vendors and they would never know the difference. It's all their mental. So whenever I hear an agent say, oh, my guy said those leads are terrible. Nobody picks up. Look deeper. It probably is their conversation. On our lead team, uh, we know the stats. Out of 10 leads, even though this is a person that I wrote a check to pay, I, pay, I paid $10, $15 for the right to talk to them about insurance. It's really weird, but they don't all want to talk about insurance. <laughs> so we know that out of 10 leads, eight give us some sort of pushback. I thought you were just going to send it to me in an email. I thought a number was just going to pop up. Oh my gosh, you're the fifth guy to call me. No thanks, not interested. Eight out of 10 will do that. That's just the lead game. That's what we have to get used to. My team, because they, we spend so much time role playing it and, you know, focusing on that first 30 seconds, 90 seconds of the phone conversation. Um, of those eight that said, nope, uh, they probably still quote six of them. And then of those six, there's probably anywhere from one to three that are really good prospects. You know, so if you think about, I always tell my team, like, if you get two really good, like, viable leads a day, like, they're viable, where you can follow up and you think you can close them, like, that's two times five, you know, that's 10 a week, that's, that are viable, and then if you do four weeks out of the month, let's say 40, that is a lot of people to follow up with, so don't, like, don't despair, like, that's actually really good if you get one to three that are really viable. So I think that that's where people kind of get discouraged sometimes. They're like, I'm talking to people all day long, but I only have two good people to follow up with. That's good. That's actually good. All I can think about right now is, I'm sorry, my brain went off on a tangent. Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross. Where it's like, <laughs> the, leads, the minute you're like, the leads are, they're not bad. All I can think of is the leads don't suck. You suck. You suck. <laughs> oh my God. Well, you know what the thing is, is that it's just like, it. it, it is like, if your mind thinks, like I've had people come to yeah. me, like my top salesperson, she came to me one time and she said, Kristen, I just need to talk to you because everybody's buying on price. And then I'm like, oh my gosh, well, tell me what's going on. She goes, well, I'm making everybody buy on price. I know I'm making them buy on price. I just need you to help me fix it. Because sometimes we get in our own heads. And that's yeah. what I, I'm kind of like the team psychologist too. Like I'll like be like, okay, let's unwind why everybody's buying on price from you. And then if we listen to, you know, how they're talking on their calls, I can target exactly what they're doing. And then you can just yep. switch a few things around and you're off and running again. But I think yep. that that's the thing. if you think it's bad, it's bad. If you think it's good, yep. it's good. If you think it's all about price, it's all about price. Whatever you think is. Amen. Yeah. Let's just throw this stat out there. 90% of people say they will pay more for something. And mm -hmm. insurance is no different. Nine yeah. out of 10 consumers say they'll pay for more, more for something. So, all right, you all have an amazing event coming up. I'd love for you to talk a little bit about that. And then um, if anyone wanted to follow you, connect with you, work with you, what's the easiest way for them to do that? Yeah, we have um, our first ever, it's the RPOA Live Virtual Summit. And so we are super excited about it. It's something very different, very cutting edge in the insurance industry. We're going through um, Zoom events and we're doing an event kind of like it's as close to a live event, except for you don't have to pack your suitcases, pay for your team members to be at hotels, pay for the time away from the agency and all that. It's a five hour event on September 27th and you get to basically choose your adventure. So we have, um, you know, workshops running concurrently every hour um, that you can choose which one speaks to you. And then all of the recordings will also be available housed on Zoom events. It's not going to be on our platform, but it will be on Zoom events for as long as you have it. Um, it's one price for the whole team. Um, so it's $799 for the whole team to attend, which is a huge cost savings if you're thinking about traveling to live events. But we also have some pretty heavy hitters in the sales training space, 
Jeb Blunt, which I know that you are familiar with. We love him. He helped us. Um, he doesn't know that he helped us so much when we started doing leads, but we read his book, Fanatical Prospecting. And I always said to Jeremy, man, if we could get him on, that would be so awesome. We have um, Andrea Waltz, who wrote Go For No. And um, that is, she's going to be speaking to uh, team members. We have a guy named Dean Manitz who's going to be talking about sales training. We have our own business coach who's going to be talking about how to transform your agency and, you know, where to start, basically. We have a lot of our team members doing workshops. So there's a lot to choose from. Um, it's super exciting that we're doing this. And I think that, um, you know, the biggest outcome is uh, for people would be that they can start that, you know, bringing the team together and creating a message of what they want to establish in their own agency. You know, when we were talking about like the power of like consistency and building culture, I feel like people will get that out of coming to an event like this. It will be an event that will be changing their minds for the future of their own agency. Yeah, we have some sessions designed just for owners. So we have a top State Farm, Farmers, Allstate, and Independent Agent leading their own sessions. You can watch all of them for sure. You'll pick something up. Mm -hmm. Then we have some designed specifically for producers. So we walk through uh, how to turn service calls into sales. We have a whole hour on that. Uh, life insurance. We have one of my uh, producers front end objections. coming on front end objections. Uh, we have a really fun one. I'm most excited about for owners. We have one of my two of my producers coming on to talk about why I would stay on your team and why I would be motivated to remain on your team. So yeah. for for a full hour, they're going to give just some great uh, tidbits on and tips on on why they love working here. Uh, because to me, that's the the biggest piece is that culture. Well, you know, who better to hear from than an actual producer that's living it? Yeah. Absolutely. Well, thank you all yeah. so much for your time today. This was uh, an absolute blast for all of those <laughs> of you listening. Thank you so much for your time. Um, as always, time is the most valuable and important asset that we all have. So appreciate you all spending time with us today. Jeremy and Kristen, thank you so much for your time as well. Thank Absolutely. you for having thank us. You. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Insurance Buzz. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast, please share it with others, post about it on social media, and leave a rating and review. If you want to take your insurance agency to the next level and join our community, simply check out Weaver Sales Academy at www.weaversa.com. Again, that's www.weaversa.com or visit the show notes on our new and current programs we have available exclusively for you. As always, time is the most valuable and important asset that we all have, and I appreciate you spending it with me. See you on the next episode.